Welcome, everyone, to a special home edition of Dining on a Dime. Today's topic is food and the American presidents. I have 200 mind-blowing facts about the connection between food and the U.S. presidents. Uh, President's Day was yesterday, so I thought it'd be fun to go through and study our U.S. presidents. This is being done from home due to the bad weather in our Philadelphia area. Let's get started. Thomas Jefferson was one of the first original foodies. Uh, Jefferson, if you guys Google Thomas Jefferson, you're going to find out that Thomas Jefferson was an incredible guy. He introduced macaroni and cheese. He was the first guy to plant broccoli and all kinds of stuff. I would Google Jefferson and foodie, and you'll be shocked as to what you find. John Adams had no money when he was younger and literally lived on bread and beer in college. William Howard Taft was the heaviest president, and he loved a 12-ounce steak for breakfast. Uh, Richard Nixon had soup banned from the White House. He was not a soup lover, and he had the chef totally get rid of soup on the White House menu, which people are saying, well, why would he do that? Because other people might like soup, but for some reason he banned the entire soup from the White House. First Lady Nancy Reagan, Reagan, I'm sorry, First Lady Nancy Reagan was very strict about Ronald Reagan eating junk food, but they would sneak it to him when, he, when she wasn't around. George W. Bush, I think we all remember this, uh, choked on a pretzel. Uh, while I'm on this topic, I found out that every single food that the president puts in their mouth it has someone it was under someone's jurisdiction so even that pretzel that he choked on uh somebody was responsible for that pretzel uh john adams visited shakespeare's home and chipped off a piece of his chair as a souvenir uh john adams and thomas jefferson oh here's a cool fact john adams and thomas jefferson died on the same day july 4th 1826. It was the 50th anniversary of the Declaration of Independence. So John Adams and Thomas Jefferson died on the same day, and it was the 50th anniversary of the Declaration of Independence. That's pretty bizarre. Jefferson hated public speaking so much that he only gave two public speeches per year. Bill Clinton is allergic to both chocolate and milk. How about that? So could you imagine... Uh, not being able to have chocolate milk. <laughs> that would be horrible. Uh, Andrew Jackson loved fresh milk so much that he kept a cow at the White House. Uh, Jelly Belly crafted a blueberry jelly bean just for Ronald Reagan. Eisenhower sold tamales on the streets when he was younger. Obama would put chili on top of his rice, and I believe that his chili, as we will learn later on in the program, uh, was a family recipe that he actually carried around and brought to the White House. It was his own uh, chili. It was his own chili recipe. Andrew Jackson would host popcorn po parties in the state dining room. Thomas Jefferson brought French fries to America and popularized popularized ice cream but uh there is also uh 
James Madison's wife, Dolly, was also very big in popularizing ice cream. Uh, Grant would roll up bread into balls and throw them at his kids. And what this is interesting because Ulysses S. Grant always, if you see a photo of him, he seems very serious. But he would actually roll up bread into balls and throw them at his children at the dinner table. Um, William Howard Taft had a chef on staff just to make his favorite stew. Massachusetts gifted Jefferson a 1,235-pound block of cheese. Could you imagine? So that was a gift from the state of Massachusetts. It was a 1,235-pound block of cheese. Calvin Coolidge would eat boiled raw meat, uh, boiled raw wheat. Here's a cool thing. Now, everyone, I want you to hold on to your chair. Calvin Coolidge would eat a boiled raw wheat for breakfast, and a staff member would rub his head with Vaseline. (laughs) Where else are you going to get this kind of info? So the man would eat breakfast. And he would have a staff member of the White House rub his head with Vaseline as he was eating. That, that, you're not going to find that anywhere else. When Lyndon Johnson, when Lyndon Johnson quit drinking, he became obsessed with the soda Fresca. And he would buy it all the time. Woodrow Wilson would eat raw eggs mixed in grape juice. Now, I want you guys to think about that. I just read it real quick. But Woodrow Wilson would eat raw eggs mixed in grape juice. That sounds incredibly disgusting. In 19... Here's another cool fact. And I'm not going to say that throughout the show. (laughs) In 1939, FDR hosted Queen Elizabeth and fed her hot dogs and beer. Although Washington never actually cut down a cherry tree, he actually did love cherries. So that uh, Washington cutting down a cherry tree is a myth. Teddy Roosevelt had coffee with a ton of sugar in it. They said up to like seven lumps of sugar. Once again, this is being done from the home equipment. Uh, Matt Maritea and uh, Amaris Pollock will be back with us next Tuesday. We're just not able to get to the studio right now. Uh, So we're doing this from my home equipment. The reason we're doing this from home is because you guys have been awesome. And the ratings are very good. And I didn't want to disappoint our subscribers to the show. So I very easily could have skipped a show. But I wanted to give our subscribers. And I want to thank all of you for subscribing to our show. I want to give you guys new content every single week. So I wanted to take advantage of the home equipment, so you guys have something new to listen to uh, this week. Let's keep going. We got tons of these. We got 200 of these. Uh, JFK would eat fish on Fridays. Lyndon Johnson was the first president to host a barbecue at the White House. Uh, Gerald Ford loved butter pecan ice cream. Ronald Reagan is known for jelly beans, but he also loved monkey bread and chocolate cake. George Bush covered everything in Tabasco. I believe they're talking about George H.W. Bush. Uh, He loved Tabasco, and he would cover everything in in, uh, Tabasco. 
Evidently, Bill Clinton has been a vegan since 2010. I, I believe I saw on the news that he had heart issues. Uh, so he turned, he was a, he's now a vegan uh, since 2010 and his heart issues. George Bush, George W. Bush, loved homemade cheeseburger pizza. And the staff that worked for him said that he loved it. They, he ordered it all the time. Barack Obama would whip up his own family recipe for chili. That is what I talked about earlier. The chili recipe that Barack Obama had uh, was his own family recipe. Andrew Jackson had a French chef who would love making him what's called floating islands. Now, if you guys are out there and you are a master of French cuisine, give us an email, diningonadime at yahoo.com, if you know anything about floating islands. Millard Fillmore installed the first cast iron stove in the White House. James Buchanan would always have fresh butter on hand. So every time he was there, he always had fresh butter available. Abe Lincoln was not much of an eater, but he would eat a little bit. And they said that his doctor was actually concerned about him because he was not a big eater and he would not eat that much food. So they actually, it got to the point where the doctors were concerned, evidently. <laughs> we don't know Abe. <laughs> I never interviewed Abe on this show, but that's what they're saying. Theodore Roosevelt is to thank for the federal food safety regulations. Woodrow Wilson was indifferent to food, so he was not a foodie either. Dwight D. Eisenhower was an excellent cook, and his specialty was beef stew. So Eisenhower would actually go down to the kitchens and take over and make his beef stew. George H.W. Bush actually hated broccoli so much that he uh, told a staff member to tell the White House chef not to put broccoli on any of his menus. Uh in 1933, the White House had so many cockroaches that they remodeled. So there was a time back in the early days, uh, 1933 to be exact, where the kitchen was a secondary thing at the White House. And it was so bad that they it was filled with cockroaches. So what they did was, I believe it's a first lady, I think I have that in my notes, but one of the first ladies actually remodeled the entire kitchen. And now today, the White House is the biggest kitchen going. It's a state-of-the-art kitchen. But it wasn't that way back in 1933. George Washington loved ice cream so much that he brought a bunch of ice cream making and serving supplies to the White House. So he loved ice cream so much that he brought his own tools to make ice cream in the White House. Jefferson wrote the first known ice cream recipe in U.S. history. Now, I want you guys, this is a, if you get anything from this show, you guys should Google food and Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson was considered the first American foodie. And it is absolutely amazing uh, what he accomplished in the food world. Uh, there's a, a few things that he was the first to bring to America. And it's, it's, it's a fascinating thing. I would recommend that you Google Thomas Jefferson in food because he is amazing. 
Uh, James Madison's wife, Dolly, this is what I was talking about earlier. She has been given credit for popularizing ice cream. George W. Bush chose pralines and ice cream at a popular ice cream spot on the campaign trail. So I think he went to an ice cream spot that had hundreds of flavors, and he chose pralines and cream as his choice. Obama, President Obama, used to scoop ice cream when he was a teenager. So that was a former job of his. He used to uh, work in an ice cream parlor. Here is something. Now, this is not food-related, but I have to give you this bit, uh, tidbit because it is pretty interesting. Lyndon Johnson uh, was in the war. I think it was World War II. I think it is World War II. And he missed boarding a flight, a bomber flight, uh, that was scheduled to leave because he had to use the restroom. <laughs> we have a couple of these interesting things throughout the show, but most of these are food-related. But Lyndon Johnson had to use the restroom. So as he goes to the restroom, his bomber fl- uh, bomber flight in World War II leaves, and he missed it, and it actually was shot down by the Japanese. <laughs> so could you imagine? Him having to go to re- to the restroom actually saved his life uh, because he had to use the restroom, the flight left, and that was actually uh, shot down by the Japanese in World War II. So that is pretty cool. Uh, interesting. Grover Cleveland is the only president to serve two non-consecutive terms. Zachary Taylor died after consuming bacteria in water or iced milk. They don't know where it came from, but he actually died after consuming something. Andrew Jackson had a... Here's a cool thing, too. This is not food-related, but you guys are going to love this. Andrew Jackson had a beloved parrot, so they brought it to his funeral, and it was swearing, it was cursing so much that they had to take the parrot out of the funeral. <laughs> so they thought, oh, it would be nice to have the, his favorite parrot in attendance at his funeral, and they ended up having to take the parrot out because <laughs> it was uh, cursing so much. <laughs> Ronald Reagan did not like tomatoes or Brussels sprouts. Uh, Ronald Reagan started his career as a Democrat, and Ronald Reagan was the first president elected to have been divorced once again these are mostly foodie facts but there are a couple things that i found incredibly interesting about the u.s presidents so i snuck them in there because uh, i just think like linda johnson having to use the restroom and then that flight that he missed being gunned down by the japanese is pretty interesting all right once again we're doing this from home because uh, we want to give a thank you to our subscribers. So I don't want to skip a week when I know how I have the home equipment to get a new show out to you. So if you haven't subscribed to the show, please go to your favorite podcast platform. Subscribe to our show so that you never miss an episode. We want to thank our current subscribers. And that is why I went out of my way to record a new episode uh, to thank you guys for subscribing to our show. Each president, here's an interesting thing. Every president has a button in the Oval Office to order their favorite snacks. So there was a lot of talk about President Trump 
pressing the button and having a Coke delivered to him. That actually is available to every president. And President Obama would press it to order hot tea. Uh, so I didn't know that. I thought that was something uh, new. The first executive chef, who is female and Asian, has been working the White House kitchen for 12 years. So she's the executive chef of the White House kitchen. She is not only the first female, but she is the first uh, Asian uh, of Asian descent. And she has been in the kitchen for 12 years. Obviously, all food is screened by the FBI. Outside food is not permitted in the White House. Only staff members do the grocery shopping, and they have the highest level of security clearance. And I found that out, too. The executive chef is uh, gets the highest level of security clearance by the FBI. So they, they don't just put people in the kitchen. You have to go through a very strenuous uh, security uh, background check. If the president is on a trip and he sees something that he likes, food-related, it is actually shipped to a staffer's house uh, so nobody knows who is the person to uh, check the food. So the president will never go and buy food and have it delivered to the White House. It always goes to someone else's house to decoy uh, that the food is for the president. Uh, Kitchen has the ability to host a large party at the very last minute. I could imagine that the White House kitchen is the ultimate, uh, the pinnacle for a chef or even a cook and... uh, That staff has the ability to host a huge party at the very last minute. So if they come in and say, we have a state dinner tomorrow, the kitchen is talented enough that they can do a big party at the very last minute. Okay, now we're going to give you a fact that is going to blow your mind right now. What is it? It is about 18 minutes into the show, and I want you all to remember this because this blew my mind. Could be the most interesting fact of the entire show. The first family is actually responsible for the grocery bills and their personal expenses. So the food that the president is eating every day is actually paid for by him. What they do is they uh, they have a staffer buy the groceries, and he has all his meals cooked, but he is paying for that. Uh, there's a story online about Jackie Kennedy. Uh, telling a staff member, look, we have to be frugal because the money you're reading about us having in the papers is not entirely true. So the president and the first family is actually responsible for the food that they eat and the expenses that they uh, they come across. So the the government pays the salaries of the help, but the president, out of his $400,000 a year salary, actually pays the expenses. So he has to get dry cleaning done, the meals he eats, that's all paid out of out of his pay. And what they do is they have a staff member do everything, and then he is presented a bill uh, for the food or, you know, dry cleaning, etc. So I thought that was interesting. I didn't know that. Uh, that is a very interesting fact. 
The longer the president is in office, the more the staff knows their eating habits. And the staff of the White House takes great pride in being at service to their president. So uh, the longer the president is in office, the more they know his every, you know, his eating habits. I even saw that it, it's to the point where if the president goes to get a shower and he throws a shirt on the ground, that shirt will be gone before he's out of the shower. So they take a lot of pride. Service is at its uh, finest at the White House. Uh, three of the 132 rooms in the White House are kitchens. So they have three different kitchens in the White House. And the White House, in case you didn't know, has 132 rooms. The transition of power every four years is a very busy time for the kitchen staff because what they do is they take all the food from the current president and get rid of it, and they replace it with the favorites of the new president. So by the time the new president uh, leaves... By the time the new president leaves the inauguration and arrives back at the White House, that is all changed over for him. So everything in the White House is his because while he's at the inauguration, the staff uh, totally rearranges the kitchen. Uh, The jobs at the White House are not advertised. Obviously, I think this is obvious. You have to know someone in the White House to get a job in the kitchen. So if you're working the White House kitchen, uh, you prob- there are people in the White House kitchen that have been there for generations. Their grandmother worked there, then their mother worked there, then now they're working there. So it's a, it's a, you have to know somebody. They don't go on Craigslist and advertise for work. They're not on Indeed. <laughs> uh, you have to know somebody to get that job. Uh, even the most minor food, like we said such as the pretzel, has somebody under its jurisdiction. So there's not one piece of food that the president eats that somebody isn't negligent uh, for. The first lady picks the White House chef. Now, here's a big controversy that I read about. In 2005, uh, in 2005, Laura Bush, the first lady, uh, fired the White House executive chef. And that was a big deal at the time. Uh, Only the First Lady is in charge of the uh, White House chef. The White House pastry chef has to make a gingerbread house each year. And I want you guys, our foodie lovers out there, I want you guys to Google uh, gingerbread house and the White House. Uh, Every year, the White House uh, pastry chef has to make the most beautiful gingerbread house and put it on display for some event that they have. And it is a very big deal. And the White House pastry chefs actually think about that all year round. So I want you guys to Google that. It's a very fascinating thing. And it is for an event, and I'm sorry I did not uh, look up what event it's for, but they do that every year. If the White House chef has a lot of things in their repertoire, the president can cancel uh, that so say they are big and they they make a great uh, you know uh, beef stroganoff or whatever. Uh, if the president is not a fan of that food or beef Wellington, I meant. If the president is not a fan of that particular food item, 
the president has the ability to have that taken off the menu. So could you imagine being a White House chef, the pinnacle of pinnacle of chefs, and your favorite, your most uh, talented thing is beef uh, wellington, and then having the president come in and saying, nah, you know what, I'm not a big fan. Uh, let's take that off the menu. I couldn't imagine. Uh, the White House chefs are on salary. They are on call 24 hours a day, but they do not get paid overtime. So if you are a chef at the White House, you get a salary. I, I, I can't remember. I think it's $100,000 or something of that nature or 250000 I can't remember. But you were on call 24 hours a day. And I had, uh, I had read that it's very seldom uh, does the president ask for something at odd hours. So the guy that worked for the White House for eight years said he very rarely had to cook anything after midnight. Uh, so it didn't affect him. But they're on call 24 hours a day. They have to be available. Uh, anytime the president needs something. Uh, they have to make sure also that they are able to be contacted. So there's no such thing as turning your phone off or whatever. State dinners have a ton of rules. Uh, there's a ton of rules for a state dinner. It's a very formal occasion. Uh, state dinners, are the guests are never offered a second portion, but they will make a second portion if needed. There are no more than 55 minutes that can be elapsed between the first and last course of a state dinner. So could you imagine uh, being a head chef of the White House and there is no more than 55 minutes allowed between the first course and the last course? Nobody has any idea why it's 55 minutes. Uh, there are people that are wondering what does 55 minutes mean? Uh, nobody has any idea, but there is no more than 55 minutes allowed between the first course and the final course at a state dinner. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, once again, we're doing this from home uh, due to weather. I want to thank our great listeners for being loyal to the show. I want to thank everyone for making us a nationally ranked show. So I figured I'm not going to skip a week because I want our subscribers to have a new show every week as a thank you for being loyal to our show. So we are doing this from home. Uh, the sound should be the same. White House Kitchen has to make over 14,000. Yeah, you heard me. 14,000 hard-boiled eggs for the annual egg hunt. They are required to make anything the president requests. So I guess that's when the first lady hires the White House executive chef. I'm sure they are, you know, talented enough to be able to make anything that the chef requests. So I guess that's already done, you know, uh, you know, before they get there. Before they get there, I'm sure they're talented enough to make anything that the president requests. President Obama had the executive chef brew him beer from scratch. So President Obama actually had uh, the White House brew beer for the first time. Uh, as we know, craft beer has become very popular. So President Obama wanted to get into that 
you know, kind of thing. And I think they did it for a good cause. I don't think he just randomly said it. And he had the executive chef of the White House brew beer from scratch. And I think there's a video on YouTube if you guys want to see it. And they they go through the whole process uh, uh brewing beer from scratch. Uh, I As I mentioned earlier, the chefs in the White House need to have the highest level of security clearance, as you guys can imagine. So the chefs in the White House have the ex- absolutely highest level of security clearance. The kitchen staff cannot give input on hiring of the executive chef. That is totally done by the first lady. So if you work at the White House and you're in the kitchen, there is no such thing as telling them who should be the executive chef. They, they, that is done by the first lady. Other jobs, if you're a store clerk and you're going for manager, there would be people input, but not as far as the executive chef of the White House. The state dinners are a combination of the guest's home country and United and American food. So if they're having a state dinner uh, with the prime minister of France, uh, what they'll do is they'll put some French items on the menu and then combine that with American items. Uh, there's a story about the Nigerian, uh, Nigerian, uh, you know, a big shot from Nigeria coming, and they had foods from both Nigeria and the United States. That is how a state dinner is run. Uh, the White House maids are trained in security, and I thought that was interesting because uh, what they do is they go through a training course, and they are taught, you know, what to look out for and stuff like that. And it actually came uh, to be a benefit to them because there was a window broken that a maid discovered, and it ended up being a security issue once she, you know, because she was trained to let, you know, what to look out for. And it actually came in to be a benefit at the end of the day because she was able to tip them off to a security issue. Uh, here's a funny Ronald Reagan story I, I, I got a chuckle out of, so I'm going to share it with you. Uh, Ronald Reagan was uh, in the shower, and a messenger came up to give him a note while he was in the shower. So the messenger gives him an urgent note while he's in the shower. And then later on that night, a messen- the same messenger came to his living quarters to deliver another note, and he was in his underwear. So Nancy, as the story goes, Nancy Reagan turns to him and says, put on a robe. And Ronald Reagan said, nah, he are- we're good friends. He's already seen me naked. <laughs> I don't know why. But I was rolling on the floor when I I heard that story. (laughs) He says, no, it's no big deal. We're good friends. He's already seen me naked. (laughs) I thought that was funny. If food is bought by the president, it is shipped to a staff member, like I said earlier. Uh, so if the president does not have the ability to go to a foreign country on a, on a trip and go into a store and buy food, it has to be shipped to a staff member so that nobody knows it is going. he will be consuming it. Uh, there's a couple stories going around about the taste testers for the White House. Uh, 
some chefs say there are. Some chefs say there aren't. Uh, people that taste the president's food to make sure it's safe. Uh, but one thing they do do, if that means if that makes sense, is they will have any food that he buys delivered to a staff member so that nobody knows it's going to him. So I know that. But there are mixed stories uh, about the president having a food taster. Some people say he does. Some people say he does not. Uh, that every piece of food that the president consumes, there is somebody negligent for. So if you're a staff member and you give him pretzels, you are responsible for the pretzels you gave him. So each individual food item has somebody who is negligent uh, for that item. So there's not anything the president eats. There is not one thing that the president consumes that doesn't have somebody in charge of that piece of food. So there's mixed stories going around. Hey, they have a taste tester. Some say they don't. But every single piece of food he puts in his mouth, somebody is negligent for. Uh, President Eisenhower preferred to make his own oxtail soup. So he would actually go into the kitchen and make his own recipe for oxtail soup. Uh, he would not have a staff member do that. Uh, President Trump asked the kitchen staff to replicate a McDonald's apple pie, uh, you know, according to uh, what I read. Barbara Bush requested that the staff serve their fish overcooked. And there was a lot of griping in the White House because uh, obviously we all know from being foodies that overcooked fish is dry. And uh, evidently that caused the stir, but she insisted that the fish was overcooked. Thomas Jefferson, once again, Google Thomas Jefferson and food. Thomas Jefferson was the original foodie. Uh, He was a master foodie. And if you read about his accomplishments in the food world, you will be stunned. Thomas Jefferson loved wine so much that he ordered it by the barrel. He was a very big Uh, wine person so once again this is being done from home Uh, this is a thank you to our many subscribers to the show Uh, we will be back in studio next tuesday uh, for a brand new episode Uh, we have big time guests that we're excited to share let's keep going i wrote 200 of these Uh, (laughs) we got a lot more to talk about Uh, let's keep going I got a couple of facts here about the actual presidents themselves. Uh, I think that was pretty interesting. So let's go through some of those. And then we're going to move on to the favorite foods of the presidents. I have each president's favorite food. Let's keep going with the food stuff. The... Kennedy's, President Kennedy's, uh, hired a fancy gourmet chef, and he kind of upped the White House kitchen game. But Lyndon Johnson, when he came into the White House, was requesting a lot less fancier food, such as cold garbanzo bean dip. So the actual gourmet chef, French chef, that the Kennedy's hired actually quit. Uh, his position as executive chef because he wasn't liking the 
level of food that was being requested by Lyndon Johnson. To coincide with her healthy eating platform, uh, Michelle Obama limited pies to only weekends. Now, here's the thing. Uh, the first lady was big on healthy eating. Uh, she had the garden going on and all that. And when you go to the White House, there's actually, they have a pastry kitchen and they have a pastry chef. So when they first got there, the, the you know, the main thing was a bunch of pies and, you know, delicious desserts. And she said because of her healthy eating platform, she wanted to limit that to just weekends. Uh, White House kitchen staffer was interviewed. And he was President Carter's kitchen staff, uh, kitchen staff member of President Carter. And he said that they did not like peanuts at all. <laughs> I believe President Carter was a peanut farmer. Uh, and uh, I think a lot of people connected him with being a peanut lover. But turns out he did not like peanuts. George W. Bush liked peanut butter and honey sandwiches. Hillary Clinton had a collection of hot sauces. She had a ton of hot sauces uh, that she collected, and she was on The Breakfast Club, uh, which is a, uh, a radio show, and she said that she carries hot sauce in her purse. John Adams was the first to live in the White House. The White House was not called the White House until 1901. Uh, the White House is almost a direct copy of the Leinster House in Dublin, Ireland. I don't know if you guys know this story, but they asked, uh, they had a contest, a newspaper contest, to design the White House. And the guy who won was an Irish developer. He was, uh, you know, of Irish descent. And he actually copied the White House from the Leinster House in Dublin, Ireland. So the White House is, has a twin brother over in Dublin, Ireland. Uh, Harry Truman did not like living in the White House. He was quoted as saying it was like a big jail. <laughs> uh, Richard Nixon, on the other hand, praised the White House. So it's ironic. <laughs> Once again, we're not a political show. I have no politics whatsoever. I'm just saying it's funny that Harry Truman hated living in the White House, and they interviewed Richard Nixon, and uh, he had the exact opposite. Uh, Teddy Roosevelt, if you're wondering who named the White House, it was Teddy Roosevelt named the White House. He called it the White House. I think that was a nickname he had for it, and then they actually adopted the name in later years. All right. All right, what we're going to do, we only have... 20 minutes left. I want to, like I said, we're doing this show to thank our many subscribers for subscribing to the show. If you have not subscribed to the show, please go to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe to the show. I didn't want our subscribers uh, to not have a show this week. So we're doing this from home. The sound should be the same. Uh, but I want to I want to thank our people that subscribe to the show. So I didn't want to give you guys a week without a show. We will definitely be back next Tuesday. Uh, we have two big time guests lined up, so we have no choice, no matter what the weather is in Philadelphia, to get to the studio next week. 
Woodrow Wilson is the only president born in Washington, D.C. Harding had a lapdog who attended cabinet meetings. So he would actually have a lapdog that would sit in on cabinet meetings. (laughs) If dogs could talk. (laughs) Calvin Coolidge was the first president to appear in a movie with sound. That's pretty interesting. Because even today, you know, it's not normal for a president to be in a movie. Uh, So it's interesting to see that Calvin Coolidge was the first president to appear in a movie with sound. Herbert Hoover loved to fish and wrote a book about it. How about that? Uh, When Herbert Hoover left the White House, uh, he loved to fish so much that he wrote a book about fishing. Uh, President Truman was the last president not to graduate from college. How about that? That's a long time. So President Truman uh, is the last president that did not have a college degree. Eisenhower was the first president to ride in a helicopter. President Kennedy was the first president to have a poet at the inauguration. And as we saw this year with the inauguration, the poet was fantastic and everyone loved the poet. But President Kennedy uh, was the first president to have a poet at the inauguration. So I believe that was Robert Frost, if I'm not mistaken. Lyndon Johnson taught the 5th, 6th, and 7th grades. Uh, Gerald Ford used to be a male model before he became president. So how about that? Uh, Could you imagine being a male model and then turning into a president? Uh, Jimmy and Rosalind Carter were the first presidential couple to live in public housing. Ronald Reagan saved 77 lives as a lifeguard. George H.W. Bush, how about that? George H.W. Bush met Babe Ruth uh, when he went to, when he came to visit Yale. So he was at he actually met Babe Ruth. President Clinton was the only president to be a Rhodes Scholar. George W. Bush had the highest and low, lowest approval rate. President Obama has won two Grammy Awards. President Washington was well-read and loved the theater. So George Washington, even back in those days, uh, he was very well-read. He loved to read books, and he also loved the theater. Uh, Abraham Lincoln hated to be called by the name Abe. (laughs) How about that? So throughout history, people have been referring to Abraham Lincoln as Abe Lincoln, and he actually hated that name. (laughs) <laughs> I have not, once again, I have not interviewed these guys, so I don't know how, you know, how we can verify that. I didn't interview them, so I don't know. <laughs> Lincoln would stow important papers in his hat. So the big hat that he used to wear, he would actually have important papers stashed away in the hat. The White House has 35 bathrooms. Could you imagine living in a place that has 30 five bathrooms that is incredible there was not a phone installed in the white house until 1929 uh taft tried a low carb diet to lose weight in the while he was in the white house he was our heaviest president he exceeded 300 pounds and he actually tried a low carb diet while in the white house 
So that is pretty interesting. Uh, the sales of pork rinds jumped 11% because George H.W. Bush said in a magazine article that he loved pork rinds with hot sauce. So the sale, as soon as he said that, uh, they were trying to keep up with demand. So the president does have an effect on people. Uh, that is a perfect example. He just mentioned in a magazine article that he loved pork rinds uh, with hot sauce, and the sales dramatically increased. FDR loved a gooey grilled cheese sandwich, so we are all foodies listening to this show. How many of us love a gooey grilled cheese sandwich? And that was a favorite of FDR. Andrew Jackson served a 1,400-pound, yeah, that's right, 1,400-pound block of cheese at his inauguration. (laughs) I could not imagine what that would even look like. Uh, George Washington loved exotic animals so much that he paid, he actually paid money to see an elephant. John Adams thought the president should be referred to as his highness. So in their meetings... Uh, Before the presidential role was established, John Adams wanted the president to be called His Highness. Thomas Jefferson told Lewis and Clark, the famous explorers, to look out for woolly mammoths when they were exploring the West. James Madison was the shortest president at just five foot four. Madison was also the first president to wear pants instead of breeches. Uh, John Quincy Adams was the first president to be photographed. Andrew Jackson was born on... Here's a cool thing. Andrew Jackson was born on the border of the Carolinas. So actually both North Carolina and South Carolina claim him. Van Buren spoke Dutch as his main language. William Henry Harrison had the longest inaugural address. Here is something I'm, I'm, I kept telling you. I'm not going to say this throughout the throughout the episode, but check this out. You know that phrase that says uh, "dark horse." You know, especially people that are gambling. I've heard about it. That comes from James Polk. Uh, the president uh, had a surprising win of the nomination, and that is where that it, like nobody expected him to win. And he actually won. So that is where that comes from. The body body of Zachary Taylor was exhumed in the 1990s to see if he was poisoned. Turns out he was not. Millard Fillmore was the first president born after Washington died. James Buchanan is the only president from Pennsylvania. Abe Lincoln had a high-pitched voice. According to historical reports, uh, the voice of Abraham Lincoln was very high-pitched. Andrew Johnson did not know how to read and write until his adulthood. So could you imagine? So Andrew Johnson did not know how to read and write until he became an adult and he was president. Of the United States. How about that? Uh, and uh, the 
Ulysses S. Grant finished writing his memoirs just five days before he died. <laughs> so Grant wrote his memoirs and passed away just five days after. Rutherford B. Hayes was wounded five times during the Civil War. Garfield worked his way up from a janitor to a president at Hiram College. Check that out. So, Garfield was a janitor in a college, and he actually worked his way up to president of the college. That, and I believe, isn't that the storyline for one of those famous movies? <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> I think somebody wrote a movie and plagiarized that <laughs> But he was a janitor, and he worked his way up to president of the college. Chester Arthur spent lavishly on clothes and was known to be a fancy dresser, and he was president. Uh, he just loved you know, making his appearance the best it can be, and he was known to be a very fancy dresser and spent a lot of money on clothes. Grover Cleveland. His daughter, Ruth, is what the candy bar Baby Ruth is named after. So the Baby Ruth candy bar was named after Grover Cleveland's daughter, Ruth. Benjamin Harrison was the first president to to record his own voice. Grover Cleveland had a secret surgery to remove a tumor from his chin, I believe, and it was done on the presidential yacht. McKinley was the last Civil War veteran to become president. Teddy Roosevelt more closely was related to Eleanor than FDR. So he was more closely related to Eleanor and not FDR. William Howard Taft was in the Secret Skull and Bone Society when he was in college. So we're about wrapping this episode up. I got about 25 more. We're at the 50-minute mark. Once again, this show is being done to thank our great subscribers for subscribing to our show and making us a nationally ranked food show. I want to thank everyone. So it was either not uh, not do a show or I can record it from home uh, and give you this great information uh, so that you guys can you know have something new to listen to. I'm sure wherever you're living around the world, I'm sure a lot of us are in bad weather, so you guys have something to listen to that is new. Uh, we will be back in studio next Tuesday, but from now, for now, we're doing it from home. William Taft has favorite food with steak and potatoes. Now I have a list of the favorite foods of the presidents. Unfortunately, we only have about nine minutes, but if you're curious to hear what foods your presidents loved the most. I have a few right here. Uh, Woodrow Wilson loved chicken salad. How about George Washington? George Washington loved pancakes with honey. John Adams was was a hard cider guy. Thomas Jefferson loved mac and cheese. James Madison loved ice cream. I believe I told you earlier in the episode that Dolly Madison, his wife, uh, is one of the people credited with making ice cream so popular. James Monroe uh, loved bread pudding. John Quincy Adams, fresh fruit. 
Andrew Jackson, green beans with bacon. Martin Van Buren's favorite uh, food was oysters. William Henry Harrison loves squirrel, too, uh, squirrel stew. If you guys do some research, you will find out that a lot of presidents uh, loved squirrel stew. <laughs> There's a couple of them. <laughs> uh, John Tyler was Indian pudding. James Polk was cornbread. Uh, Millard Fillmore loved soup. A lot of the presidents also loved soup. So um, that is uh, something that the, a lot of them have in common. Franklin Pierce loved fried uh, fried foods. James Buchanan was a cabbage person. Abe Lincoln uh, loved bacon. So me and Abe Lincoln have a lot in common. <laughs> uh, I love bacon. Lincoln loved bacon. Uh, Andrew Johnson, uh, his favorite food was Hoppin' John. Ulysses S. Grant loved rice pudding. Uh, Garfield loved squirrel soup. There's another squirrel soup guy, uh, James Garfield. Chester Arthur loved mutton chops. Grover Cleveland was a pickled herring guy. Uh, I'm not going to read all these because it gets boring when I go through the whole list. But Theodore Roosevelt was a steak and gravy guy. Uh, Woodrow Wilson. I'll pick out the ones that uh, apply to our to me. Uh, I love chicken salad. Woodrow Wilson loved chicken salad. <laughs> Warren Harding loved chicken pot pie. I love chicken pot pie. Calvin Coolidge was an apple pie guy. Uh, keep in mind that if you do the research that most presidents love several things, but these are just the most notorious. A lot of these things I think is made up because there's a couple people from the New England area that listed New England clam chowder. So I don't know. Uh, I don't know because it just seems coincidental that uh, – the state they're from, they just so happen to love that state's uh, dish. Once again, I want to thank everyone for joining us. Please follow our co-hosts. Food photojournalist Amaris Pollock, A.R. Pollockus on Twitter, at A.R. Pollockus on social media. If you go to Facebook, you can find her at, at just put in Amaris Pollock. Uh, Pollock is spelled P-O-L-L-O-C-K. Uh, she works with Cook's Unity. Look up Cook's Unity. Uh, it's not the co-host's fault be, that we're having bad weather, uh, so it's not their fault that they couldn't get we couldn't get to the studio. So I want to make sure they get their plugs in. Nice rating for last week's show, which was done from home. I want to thank everybody. We had an interview with the guy who has cooked at the Super Bowl for the last five Super Bowls. If you haven't listened to that show, please go to your favorite podcast platform. We have an incredible interview with the chef who has catered for the players of the last five Super Bowls. Uh, I want to thank everybody for uh, turning out for that show. Uh, our second co-host is the host of the Sporting Chance podcast, uh, Matt Maratea. So go to Google. Putting, put in the Sporting Chance podcast, and you can find him there. Uh, we will be back 
in our studios, our professional studios, next Tuesday. I have an incredible show. I booked a very popular author, and then we have another chef. And I want to thank our contributor, Gene Blum. Uh, Gene is the guy booking these big-name guests. I was joking around with Gene last week. I said, you know, all these other food shows are interviewing the fifth line cook at McDonald's, and we actually had the chef who has cooked for the actual players of the Super Bowl over the last five seasons. Uh, So, I mean, I don't think you can get anything more accomplished than that, except the White House executive chef. Uh, Gene and Chef Nate, who was the Super Bowl chef on last week's show, both of them have also cooked for the Pope. So I don't know if you can get a higher caliber chef on a show than we did. Uh, We had both of those guys on last week's episode. This week's episode, I didn't want to do the phone call. I wanted our listeners to have perfect sound throughout. So this is being done uh, with a single microphone. Uh, The phone calls kind of were dim. Nobody complained. Everybody gave us high praise. But I just wanted to make sure I can give you the information at Perfect Sound this week. Once again, I want to thank everyone. I want to thank our great listeners uh, for supporting the show. Wisconsin, I love you. You guys are there every week for us. Florida, every week you guys listen. I want to thank you guys. Uh, Texas, big, big town for our show. I want to thank everyone for listening to the show, being loyal to the show. Dining on a Dime, the number one on Twitter and Facebook. So if you go to Facebook, just put Dining on a Dime and the number one. We have an incredible Facebook page. Uh, Give us your feedback. Dining on a Dime at Yahoo.com. Send us an email. Uh, You can also go to my website, Philly Restaurant Reviews with an S. Dot com, And I want you, you guys can leave me a message. Just go to one of my posts. We had 255 messages in the last 90 days. Go to one of my restaurant reviews and just make a comment. I approve all comments because uh, we like to get feedback, good or bad, on the show. Go to your favorite podcast platform. Subscribe to the show so you don't, don't miss this incredible information. And once again, I think the thing that blew my mind this week... I never knew that the president is responsible for his own grocery bill. Same thing with dry cleaning. If the president has to get dry cleaning, the staff will do it. But he gets billed at the end of the month. I never knew that. I thought that was fascinating. Uh, So those kinds of things you'll learn on our show. We are a total foodie. One billion percent foodie show. And that is why we are bringing you the biggest names in the culinary field. We just had two guys. They cooked for the Pope. They cooked for the uh, for the Super Bowl uh, players. Uh, those are the kind of guests we're getting because we are a very popular show. If you don't know about us, tell a friend. If you just learned about our show, tell a friend. Tell them to uh, subscribe to the show. All right, everyone. We will definitely be back in our professional studios next week, bar none. I have to get there. I got a big-time author and a big-name chef coming on the show. So I want to thank everyone for listening. Hopefully you learned something about the presidents and food. It's a a very fascinating topic. Thank you, everyone. We will talk to you next week.